This is a Capricorn FM podcast. This Grade 12 lesson is proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Uh, good evening, my dear learners at home and all the listeners. Today, as indicated, our topic we focus on contemporary economic issues. And then once we talk about contemporary economic issues, basically we are talking about economic issues of the day, the current economic issues that we find ourselves in as a country or in any country throughout the world. Now, the current economic issue that I want us to focus on today is inflation. Now, usually, let's pose it this way. Let's start our topic in the form of a question. Usually, the examiner will ask you to and say, discuss the causes and consequences of inflation. He will say, discuss the causes and consequences of inflation. And the marks allocation, mark allocation will be 26 marks for this one. And then that will be the main part. And on the additional part, the examiner will ask you to uh, and ask you, how can inflation be kept? So our focus will be on discuss the causes of causes and consequences of inflation as the main part, 26 marks, and how can inflation be kept, 10 marks. Now, as I've always indicated to you, my dear learners, usually when you are given this kind of a question, uh, you must know that you must have the introduction, the body, and the conclusion. And what did I say about our introduction? In the introduction, you look at the main question, which is the main part where they say discuss the causes and consequences of inflation, and then you identify the main concept in that particular statement. Now, in this case, the main concept is inflation. So basically what we are going to do in our introduction, we are going to define the concept inflation. Now, what is inflation? Inflation is nothing but a sustained and significant increase in the general price level over a period of time. A sustained and significant increase in the general price level over a period of time. When you look at this particular definition, what is being emphasized is that there should be an increase in the general price level. And this particular increase should be continuous and sustained very much important. If you define inflation and you don't indicate that the increase is sustained, then you might not get the full marks or you might not get a mark at all if you are supposed to describe it. So in your definition, you must indicate that the increase is sustained. There is a sustained and significant increase in the general price level. Now, this particular increase in the general price, they say it must take place over a period of time. It is not a once of event. It takes place over a period of time. Now, the increase can be measured from year to year, year on year, or you can measure it from month on month, or you can measure it from quarter on quarter. What do I mean when you say this increase is measured from year on year? For example, now we are in the month of October. Then we, if we measure, want to measure inflation on a year on year, we'll be looking at prices that were prevailing in 2019 
October. And then we compare those particular prices to prices this month end of October. That is a measuring inflation year on year. Month on month, it will mean we look at the prices prevailing now in October and we compare those prices with the previous month, which was September. If it is quarter on quarter, it will mean we compare the prices prevailing during the, 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 the end of the quarter, which was last month, end of September, with the second quarter. You compare the first quarter with the third quarter or the third quarter with the second quarter and so forth and so forth. The fourth quarter with the first quarter uh, of the coming year. So that's how we measure this particular inflation. Now that we have defined the concept of and we have introduced the examiner to the topic, now let's look at the the body. The body is subdivided into two parts where we have the main part where you have to talk about the causes. Now, in the main part, let's look. What do you think can be the causes of inflation? What do you think can be the causes of inflation? Now, the first cause, remember this kind of, this kind of inflation. We are talking about the causes and consequences of cost push inflation. I forgot to indicate. They say discuss the causes of cost push inflation and the consequences of inflation. That is our focus because they, they cannot just be brought and say discuss the causes of inflation because they've got two main types of inflation, which is cost push inflation and demand pull inflation. So in this case, we are requested to discuss the causes of cost push inflation and the consequences thereof. Now, now, what really causes cost push inflation? That is what we are going to look at now. Now, the first cause of cost push inflation is wages. We all know what wages are. Now, uh, they, what we say wages cause cost push inflation. Why? Because wages make up 50% of the gross value at, gross value added at basic price. What do we mean by the gross value added at basic price? Remember in macroeconomics when you were taught about the three methods of calculating the GDP. Now, we have got the production method, the income method, and the expenditure method. Now, if I may remind you, if you look at the, if you remember the, the income method of calculating the GDP, we look at compensation of employees, the net operating surplus, consumption of fixed capital, and it gives you the GVA at factor cost. Then you add taxes on production minus subsidies on production, then it gives you the GVA at basic price. That is the one that I'm talking about. So when we say we talk of the GB, GVA at basic price, that is what we are talking about. So they say the total amount that is there uh, when you calculate the GVA at basic price, 50% of that particular amount is attributed to wages. So wages make up 50% of that. And therefore, an increase in wages pushes the general price level up. And therefore, because they make up a substantial amount of the GBA at basic price, therefore an increase in wages pushes general price level up. The next item that can cause uh, uh, cost push inflation, they say it could be the key inputs. What do we mean by key input? Inputs are factors of production, if I may remind you. So they say the prices of key inputs. Now, what are they saying here? They say when the price of a key input that is imported increases, 
domestic cost of production will also increase. When the price of key inputs that are imported increase, domestic cost of production will also increase. In the South African context, we mainly import the the oil, the crude oil. We import it from the Arab nations or from overseas. Now, when the price of oil, for example, goes up, what does it do? It adds to the cost of the producer in South Africa. And then what will that particular producer do? He will transfer that particular added amount or, or edit on the selling price. And that is why when the price of this kind of a key input goes up, ultimately the selling price of the item that is being produced goes up. It's not only oil. I'm just citing oil as an example. Even other thick key inputs that we import, we import other capital goods. We import equipment, we import machinery and so on and so on. So the prices of those kind of things, when they go up and we buy them from overseas or from other countries, the increase in the prices of such things is added to the selling price and hence they push the selling price up and that's what we call inflation. Number three, they say one of another cause of cost push inflation is what you call exchange rate depreciation. Exchange rate depreciation. Perhaps let's remind each other about the concept that uh, what is this exchange rate? Anyone with an idea as to what exchange rate is? Exchange rate is nothing but the rate at which one currency like the dollar is expressed in terms of another currency like the rent. Exchange rate is the rate at which one currency like the dollar is expressed in terms of another currency like the rent. Usually towards the end of the news bulletin on the, on the, on, the, on TV, usually you'll find that uh, the, the market indicators that they will indicate one dollar equals to 10 rand, one pound equals to 20 rand and so on and so on and so on. So those particular things are what you call exchange rate that expressing one currency in terms of another currency so here what are they saying they are saying if the exchange rate depreciate what will it do it might cause inflation now the issue now is how does a depreciation of exchange rate lead to inflation what is the link between exchange rate depreciation with inflation. Let me give this particular example. Suppose the exchange rate is such that um, $1 equals to 10 rand. You get my point? Just follow the storyline. Suppose the exchange rate is $1 equals to 10 rands. And then what happens? Suppose uh, as a South African, I have to buy uh, a computer uh, from from the United States. Say I have to buy a computer from the United States and that computer in the United States, they are selling it for $100. They are selling it for $100. And now, they, they at the time when I want to buy that particular computer, one computer cost $100 in the, at the United States. And at that time when I want to buy it, $1 equals to 
10 rand. Then what does it mean? It means myself as a South African, I have to do what? I have to pop out 1,000 rand. I have to buy 100 US dollars with my 100 rand. Remember, the rand is only legal tender in South Africa. You can't use the rand to pay for anything in the United States. First, I have to exchange my rands into dollars so that I can buy that particular computer in the United States with the dollar. So if one dollar equals to 10 rand and the computer is hundred dollars, therefore it means I have to pay 1,000 rand for that particular computer. Now with that particular understanding in mind, now let us say, suppose the price if the price of the dollar increases to 15 rand, suppose the price of the dollar increases to 15 rand. When the price of the dollar increases to 15 rand, it means now one dollar equals to 15 rand. And yesterday I bought uh, the computer for 1000 rand because one dollar was equals to 10 rand. Today, when I say, let me go and buy the computer again, and then I discover that uh, today the exchange rate is such that one dollar equals to 15 rand. Therefore, what does it mean? Instead of paying the, buying the computer for um, 1,000 rand, I have to buy the computer for 1,500 rand. Why? Because the rand has depreciated against the dollar. When one dollar change, when the exchange rate changes from one dollar equals to 10 rand, and then it moves to one dollar equals to 15 rand, we say the rand has de depreciated. And that is why now the depreciation of the rand makes all imported goods expensive. So that is why we say when the exchange rate depreciates, imports become expensive. And that leads to an increase in the prices in South Africa. The other thing that can cause uh, cost push inflation is the issue of profit margins. You and I know very well that the aim of starting a business is to make a profit. All people that start businesses want to make profit and they will try by all means to make the highest possible profit in the enterprise now when the when when businesses increase their profit margins suppose an entrepreneur is not satisfied with his current profit and then he decides to say he, he he decides to increase the price of the item so that his profit margin can go up so when that happens, that particular increase in the profit margin becomes a cost to the business. So it means the cost of production of the business goes up because remember, when you talk about the cost of production, we refer to the cost of labor, the cost of the entrepreneur, the cost of uh, land, the cost of uh, capital. So all these particular four factors of production must be paid and the payment for these four factors of production makes up the cost of producing. So if the entrepreneur, the profit that the business gives to him, it is a cost to the business. So if the entrepreneur increases his profit, it, it implies that he is also increasing the cost of the business. So therefore, the business will be left with no alternative but to increase the selling price and hence that will be inflation. That is what profit margins will do. If the entrepreneur increases his profit margins, that will lead to an increase in the cost of the business and lead to an increase in the general price level.
right. Number five, the other factor that can cause uh, cost push inflation is the issue of productivity. What is productivity? Some days ago, we talked about this issue of productivity. What is productivity? When we talk about productivity, we look at the ratio of factors of production to the goods and services produced. So we compare the quantity of factors of production that we have used to the quantity of goods that we get from those particular goods. Now, if factors of production become less productive while receiving the same payments, the cost of production increases. Let me repeat, if factors of production become less productive while receiving the same payments, the cost of production increases. Maybe let me simplify it this way. You are working in your in a particular enterprise and your employer is paying you five thousand rand per month because you are producing say fifty items in that particular enterprise. Remember your salary must come from the goods that you produce. That must be clear. The money that the, the entrepreneur pays you or the owner of the business pays you must be, it is from the goods that you have produced. So you produce the goods and after producing the goods, they sell the goods. After selling the goods from the income that the business receives, then they pay your salary. Now, coming to productivity, for the reason why the employer agreed to pay you 5,000 rand was because he was of the view that you are going to manufacture 50 items in the business. The 50 items that will you, you are going to manufacture will be able to pay your salary. Now, let's come to productivity. Now, while the employer is satisfied with your work because you are producing 50 items and is able to pay your salary, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you are no more able to produce the 50 items. Now you are producing 30 items. Do you really think now the employer will still be able to pay you the 5,000 rand? No, he will not be able to pay you the 5,000 rand because he's, he will only be able to do so if you pay, if you, you produce 50. So if you produce less, then you are being less productive. And once you are becoming less productive uh, uh, by law, actually they must also reduce your salary. If they do not reduce your salary, it means the cost of the business now go up. And once the cost go up, what will the entrepreneur do? The entrepreneur will be left with no option but to increase the selling price so that he can still be able to pay you that particular salary. So that's what we are saying. The other cause of cost push inflation is what we call natural disasters. We have what we call natural disasters. Now, what do I mean by natural disasters? These are acts of God, acts of nature that are beyond man's control. Here I'm referring to things like droughts, floods, global warming. So those are natural disasters. They are beyond man's control. Now, these disasters impact on the costs of producers. For example, drought makes 
food production expensive. Drought makes food production expensive. Why do I say so? Because if there is no drought and it rains throughout the year or every year, then what what, what are the benefits to the producers of food? They don't have to irrigate their crops. Nature, um, uh, rain will do the job. But if ever there is a drought, then what must the producers do? They have to have bowls, they have to incur the cost of electricity for those particular pumps and so on. So you can see drought makes food production expensive. So it, once the food production makes becomes expensive, then it means the prices of food will also go up and that will be inflation. Number seven, the other factor, that the seventh factor that can cause, cause push inflation is what you call interest rates. We all know what interest rate is. An interest rate is the rate at which banks lend money to 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 to, to us, the, the the consumers. And then this interest rate, remember, is subdivided into two. I've got the prime lending rate and the repo rate. The Reserve Bank uh, lends money to. Uh, commercial banks, you call it their inter- the interest rate is the repo rate, and when banks lend us money, we call it uh, uh, the prime lending rate. But all in all, overall, these are all interest rates. So higher interest rates increases the cost of borrowing. That one is effect. Higher interest rates increases the cost of borrowing for producers. Now, if the cost of borrowing increases, therefore it implies the cost of production for the entrepreneur goes up and then it will lead up to inflation. So that is what we mean by the the, the, the things that can cause a cost push inflation. Now, that said and done, uh, we can move now to the consequences of inflation. Remember, our main topic, our the main question set, question set, discuss the causes of cost push inflation as well as the consequences of inflation. Now, moving to the consequences of inflation, uh, what do we see? As a result of prices going up, there are certain consequences, there are certain effects of inflation on everyone in the economy. The first category of the people that are uh, uh, affected by inflation, uh, we have the so-called debtors and creditors. Uh, a debtor is someone who borrows money from the bank and the creditor is the someone who lends money to someone. So debtors and creditors are the ones that are affected. Let me start with the debtors. When you borrow money from the bank today, they give you 1,000 rand. And when they give you that 1,000 rand, we look at Urna Today, how much, how may, how much quantity of goods can the 1,000 rand buy? Now, suppose the 1,000 rand can buy uh, 10 items. It can buy you, uh, say, say, five pairs of shoes. Let's say so. Now, they give you the 1,000 rand. And then you promise the creditor that you will bring it back in 12 months' time. When you bring that particular 1,000 back, now, because of inflation, the 1,000 rand can't buy the the five pairs of shoes because the shoe, shoe prices have went, went, went up. So that is what we are talking about here. So therefore, inflation 
disadvantages the creditors because they give you money with a high buying power and when you return it you return it with a lower buying power it can buy the things that it used to buy so that is what we mean by uh, consequences of inflation on the basis of debtors and creditors. Let's pause for now. The Limpopo Department of Education believes that education is the key to overcoming poverty. As a result, we have partnered with Capricorn FM to bring radio lessons to all grade 12 learners in Limpopo. Starting on Monday, 17 August, tune in and catch expert teachers as they present life lessons for an hour. From Monday to Friday between 5 and 6 p.m. on Just Drive and again on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 7 p.m. on the Royal Movement and the Afterglow respectively. Limpopo Department of Education, working together we can do more, providing quality education. Thank you very much. We have just, uh, we were just uh, on the consequences of inflation and then I've just explained the consequence of inflation to debtors and creditors and then I've just said in short that debtors receive money with high purchasing power and repay their debt with low purchasing power to the creditors, which simply means the creditor gives the debtor money while it was still able to buy a certain quantity of goods. And then when the debtor returns the money to the creditor, the money could cannot buy what it used to buy. That's what the statement tells you. And therefore, you can make your own analysis. Who benefits between the debtor and the creditor? And who is the loser and who is the who benefits them? From what I've just said, you I think you'll agree with me that the creditors are the losers because the money that they gave up could buy a certain quantity of goods. But when that money is being returned, it buys less. So the creditor is the loser and the debtor is the is the one who benefits. The second consequence of inflation can be seen on wage and salary earners. There are certain people who earn wages and salary. So the second impact or effect of inflation or consequence of inflation can be seen on wage and salary earners. Now, in this particular instance, in, in the main, we have got people who earn fixed income. Are you, are you aware of that? Most of the people who earn fixed income are the ones that are negatively affected. Here, here I may give an example of people who earn fixed incomes. For example, the pensioners, the old age, the, the grants, the old age pension. That particular amount is fixed on a monthly basis for those particular people. Now, what happens? When as the prices increase, their incomes purchase less. I think it is clear cut that one. When the prices go up, pensioners' money will buy less quantity of goods. So it, an increase in inflation has got a negative impact on the pensioners, all right? So that is what we can see. But again, we have got another category. So pensioners are losers or are at a disadvantage. But I think you'll agree with me, there are certain people who work in uh, who, who work in certain companies or do certain jobs whereby their salaries are linked to, they are not fixed, their salaries are flexible. In other ways, their salaries are linked to the inflation rate. I don't know whether you get me when I say their salaries are linked to the inflation rate. I'm simply saying when prices go up, 
their salaries are also increased. And when prices go down, their salaries also go down. So during a period of high inflation, these particular people with flexible incomes are the ones that benefit because when the inflation rate goes up, they also get increases from their jobs. So they benefit. Now, remember, coming back to that one of people with fixed incomes, why do we say they are disadvantaged? Remember, when you go into a retail store, a supermarket, even though I can't mention names, you go into a shop. When you enter that particular uh, retail store, they don't ask you where you are working. If they don't even ask you whether you are working or not, all of us, whether I earn a million, whether you earn two rand where you are working, when we enter the retail store, we pay the same amount for the goods. So therefore, that's why you can see when we say people with fixed incomes are at a disadvantage, especially the pensioners. Remember, the pension grant is very it's a small amount of money. It's not that much. So when prices go up, they are really negatively affected. The second, the third a group of people who are affected by inflation, uh, we, we have the, what you call, investors and savers. Inflation has got consequences on investors and savers. Now, again, in this particular instance, we have got two categories. We have got people who invest in assets with fixed nominal values. And we have got an, another group of people who invest in assets with flexible market values. Now, let's start with people who invest in assets with fixed nominal values. An asset, what, what, what comes into mind when we talk about of an asset with fixed nominal value? One can think of, a, uh, can give an example of a, of a fixed deposit. You all know how a fixed deposit works. You go to the bank, you give them your money, you enter into a contract with the bank to say the bank must keep a certain amount of your money for a period of, say, 12 months, two years, three years. And then when you sign that agreement, they you enter into an agreement and you agree on uh, issue or when the maturity date comes, they tell you this is how the amount of money that we are going to give you when your fixed deposit matures. So by doing that, you are investing in an asset with fixed nominal value. So it is a fixed deposit. Now, what is the impact of inflation on those particular people who invest in assets with fixed nominal values. That is what we have to determine. Now, this is what happens. When prices increase, their purchasing power decrease. When prices increase, their purchasing power decrease. In other words, the buying power of this fixed as of, the, of these assets with fixed nominal values decreases. Say you have given them 10,000 rand and then you have, so you have agreed that they must keep it for you for two years and then they have agreed that when they give you, when the maturity date comes, you are going to get your 10,000 with 2,000 rand interest. All right? Now, today, when you are signing that particular agreement, we look at how much quantity uh, of goods can the 10,000 
plus the 2,000 by today when you sign the agreement. Do you get my point? Now, we look at, you give them 10,000, but they are promising to return the 10,000 to you with an interest of 2,000, giving a total of 12,000. Now, today when you sign on the dotted line, we as economists look at how much can the 12,000 which is promised to you on maturity by today, all right? After working it out that way, then again, when are we going to work it out again? We are going to work it out on maturity date. Or now, how much can the 12,000 buy at that time? Now, if prices went up in between, you will agree with me that when the maturity date comes, the 12,000 will not buy the same quantity it could have bought on the day that you signed the agreement. So therefore, the assets with fixed nominal values, when prices increase, their purchasing power decreases. They buy less goods. Now, the second category with regard to investors, I said there are those people that invest with in assets with flexible uh, market values. We have got some people who invest in assets with flexible market values. Here, what, I, what do I mean? Here, what happens, uh, examples of assets with flexible market values. I'm talking about examples. You can talk about the shares and fixed properties. Shares and fixed properties are examples of assets with flexible market values. So if you want to invest in an asset with flexible market values, you can buy shares or you can buy a property. So that is a, an asset with flexible market values. Now, these ones, they benefit. We just said those with nominal values, they are at a disadvantage because their money buys less when the maturity date comes. But with regard to flexible market values, in this case, people benefit. So if you want to be an investor, uh, probably you should invest in assets with flexible market values. But that will be a topic for another day. Now here, what I'm trying to indicate is that um, when, infl when there is inflation, that is when prices go up, when prices of goods and services go up, share prices also go up. Prices of fixed properties also go up. Do you get my point now? I, you have bought the shares today. You have bought a fixed property today. And tomorrow and some coming days and months and years, when the prices of goods go up, which is inflation, the share prices also go up. A share is a good, isn't it? A fixed property is also a good. So when the prices of goods go up, the share prices go up and the prices of fixed properties go up. And now you have bought the shares. So you are benefiting because the shares that you have bought today, the fixed property that you have bought today, its price is also going up uh, in the future. So you benefit. So that's why we are saying when prices increases, their prices also increase and the owners benefit. So the owners of assets with flexible market values benefit 
why do we say they benefit? Because when prices increase, the prices of their shares and fixed properties also increase. But those who have invested in assets with fixed nominal values, when prices go up, the 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 assets in which they have invested, that is the fixed property, it doesn't go up. The price of the, the, the 10000 or the fixed property, fixed deposit doesn't go up. It is being fixed. So that's why they buy that. So those that have invested in fixed nominal values, they lose, whereas those that have invested in flexible market values, they gain. The other consequence of inflation is on the taxpayers. Now, here, when we talk about the taxpayers, I think you'll know, or actually all of us as employees from different workstations and different sectors, we are workers and we are the taxpayers. Now, wage and salary increases are usually linked to inflation. Usually you'll, you'll, you'll know that in most instances, in all the various sectors of the economy, the South African economy in particular, Whenever unions negotiate for wage increases, what they will do, they will want an increase that is linked to the inflation rate. They will go to an extent of saying, we want nothing less than the inflation rate. So wages and salaries are linked to the inflation rate. So that is our starting point. Now that understood, what happens is that wages and salaries are usually increased when inflation rate goes up. Now you get it now. Because wages and salaries are linked to inflation rate. Therefore, when inflation rate goes up, wages and salaries are also increased. All right? Wages and salaries are also increased when inflation rate goes up, which is good. But here is the catch. Here is the cash now. They increased the wages and salaries because the inflation rate went up. But now, here is the cash. The taxpayer, because now his wage or, or her wage has been increased, this taxpayer will now find himself or herself in a higher income tax bracket. The taxpayer, now because his, his or her salary has been increased, will now find himself in a higher income tax bracket. Now, why is this an issue? The taxpayer will now pay a higher tax because of progressive tax system. The taxpayer now is in a higher in income bracket and therefore he has to pay a higher tax. Remember in South Africa we used to call it a progressive, progressive tax system where the tax rate increases as the income increases. Now because they have increased your salary at work now the increase have put you in a higher tax bracket. Now, because you are now in a higher tax bracket, then you have to pay more tax because of the progressive tax system. Now, here is the catch. The tax that you are paying is payable on your nominal income, which has been increased. The tax is payable on nominal income, which has been increased, while the real income remained unchanged. What do we mean by the real income and the nominal income? If they increase my salary from 1,000 
to 1,500. 1,500 is my nominal income, all right? And then the real income is the real income after inflation. Now, if they increase my salary from 1,000 rand to 1,500, and the items that I was buying with 1,000, the prices of those goods go up to 1,300. Basically, what has happened? Is it true that my salary has been increased by 500 rand? No, it is not true because in real terms, my salary increased by 200 rand because the other 300 rand has been taken by the increase in the price of the goods that I buy at home. You get my point. I think that one is clear. So therefore that my real income increase is 200 rand, but my nominal income increase is 500 rand. And the tax is payable on your nominal income. All right. So this is what you call a bracket creep. It is a bracket creep because now the, the, the revenue services says your income has increased by 500 rand from 1,000 to 1,500, whereas in real terms, your income increased by 200. Or to some extent, you might find that put the other way around just to brain tease you. You might find that the prices increased by 500. They have increased your salary by 500 rand to 1,500 rand. If you are unlucky, you might find that prices also go up by 500 rand, which simply means 1,000 rand that you used to buy the grocery at home now cost, the grocery now cost 1,500 rand. And your employer said, no, I have given you an increase. Your salary is now 1,500. So in nominal terms, they have increased your salary to 1,500. But in real terms, you did not receive anything because the, the, the entire increase of nominal income has been taken by the price increases. Now, the cash here is now you are in a higher tax bracket. The revenue services will not say because you are not having nothing, you are having nothing to take home, then they leave you. They will say your salary increased from 1,000 to 1,500 rand, and then you are going to pay more tax on that particular money, whereas your salary in real terms did not increase. So that is what we call a bracket creep. So government receives more tax as a result. So the government is the one who benefits when this kind of a situation occurs, where there is an increase in inflation and an increase in salaries. Employers get nothing in real terms, but the government benefit now because more tax will be payable uh, from the employees. So the government receives more tax revenue as a result. That is what you call a bracket creep. The other consequence of inflation is on industrial peace. Now here is the issue, industrial peace. When prices go up, which is inflation, when prices go up, that prompts workers to demand higher wages, which is justified to some extent. When prices go up, workers will approach their employers to say, hey, boss, now uh, the cost of living is too high. I can't survive now. Um, please increase my wages or my salary. So workers will start to demand higher wages. Can you see it is a consequence of inflation? Now, as a result of that, workers now start to demand higher wages. Now, 
when workers start to demand higher wages, now confrontation starts. Workers now start to fight with the employers. And then when that particular conflict erupts, workers will embark on strikes. Others will embark on mass action. And this mass action and strikes can sometimes be violent. All right? The mass action and strikes can sometimes be violent. Remember what happened somewhere in the Platinum Belt some years ago, where it turned violent, where many people were injured and others were also killed. And what led to those particular killings? It was because workers were demanding higher wages and employers were saying they cannot afford that particular wage increase. And that led to a confrontation and it turned out to be violent and this disturbed industrial peace. Now, these are the consequences of inflation. Can you see uh, in, in, the, in this case of inflation, there are some people who benefit and there are some people who lose. Now, therefore, something majority of the people lose when prices go up remember i said the government must take care of us remember i indicated that when we go into the retail stores uh, they don't ask you how much are you earning they don't ask you where you are working whether working or not working we pay the same prices. So when inflate prices go up or when there is an inflation, it disadvantage in the main, the poorest of the poor. The people, the unemployed people, the indigent, uh, the people who receive social grants are the ones that are mainly affected when these issues occur. Industrial peace, we don't have it, want industrial peace to be disturbed. So these are the challenges that are brought about by inflation. There are many of them. And therefore, because there are so many challenges brought about by inflation, something needs to be done about this particular inflation. Government has to do something about inflation. This brings us to the additional part. Remember, when we started this essay, they, we said on the additional part, they said, how can inflation be kept? How can inflation be kept? So this brings us to that. Now, how can this inflation be kept? We can use what we call monetary, fiscal, and other measures. We can use monetary, fiscal, and other measures to cap inflation. Now, let me start with the fiscal measures. Fiscal measures, here we talk about uh, uh, measures taken by the Minister of Finance through the budgetary process. Here we talk about yesterday the Minister of Finance was presenting the medium-term budget policy statement. In that particular statement, it is a fiscal policy. It is a fiscal measure. And then if you get that document, you'll realize that he was talking about government spending and taxes. So what do we do there? If ever we want to cap inflation, what can we do? The government can increase direct taxes, increase indirect taxes, introduce loan levies, levies, cut government spending, all these particular things, what will they do? They will cap aggregate demand and when aggregate demand is kept, prices will move down and then inflation will be reduced. The other one it could they can also use what you call 
monetary policies. Monetary policies, here it is the competency of the Reserve Bank Governor. These are measures taken by the Reserve Bank Governor. Here, what we, what comes into mind once we talk about the Reserve Bank Governor? Here we talk about the interest rates. The Reserve Bank Governor can say, oh, what? Why are these particular people buying these goods? Why is the demand for goods so high? Then the Reserve Bank Governor will say, oh, it is because these particular people have got a lot of money. And then the Reserve Bank Governor will say, let me take money from the hands of these particular people. And one way of doing that is by decreasing the interest rates. So I can see they are looking at me with... I, I wish I could still get an hour to go. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately not. I'm actually listening to what you're saying and I'm thinking, yo, Kur, either way, man, things are bad. Yeah, no. <laughs> things are bad. Thank yeah. you so much, sir. This grade 12 lesson was proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.